Coaches, how's it going? Thank you for tuning in to this very special bonus episode of KYPD. We pick up with part two of our conversation with Tulane strength coach, Kyle Spear. If you missed part one of our conversation, go back and check it out. We we talk about Coach Spear's interesting rise up the coaching ranks, some of his biggest, biggest influences along the way, plus Plus, Coach Spear oversaw the renovation or the complete build of weight room facilities at Baylor, Sam Houston State, Georgia Southern, and Tulane. So, so we talk about that, which is really interesting to hear about. So go back and check out part one of our conversation if you haven't already. Today, we pick up with talking about Coach Spear's philosophy for training collegiate athletes and how he handles his football players in the weight room in the middle of the season. Plus, we discuss topics like lifting on game days, and whether or not one rep maxes are still relevant in a weight training program. Finally, if you know Coach Spear, you know that he is a man's man. Like when he was born, he actually drove his mom home from the hospital. And when he lifts weights, he doesn't get stronger. The machine does, right? I mean, but you may or may not know that Coach Spear also has these unwritten man laws that he lives by. And we talk about those toward the end of today's episode. Plus, I had a few of my own at the end. So, we got a lot of great stuff to get into today, so let's go ahead and jump right into it on this special bonus episode of KYPD. First of all, just describe your philosophy for, for your your philosophy for your training program. Well, my philosophy, as far as you know, in the weight room goes, is very simple. We're ground based, multi joint movements with an emphasis on the Olympic lifts. What I mean by that is, uh, you know, ground based. Easiest way to say is if we can do it standing up as opposed to you know sitting or laying down, we'd rather train that way. Although we will you know, do the other, but you, you, you play the, you play the game on your feet. Right. And then uh, multi-joint is a fancy way to say that we don't necessarily program machines, you know, free weight movements, multi-joint movements, whereas machines would uh, be more of a isolation. Right. And then uh, emphasis on the Olympic lifts, we, uh, Olympic lifting is a very much a big part of our program. And, and not necessarily to say that we, you know, we clean and jerk, you know, but we do a ton of power cleans, but all the pulls that would go with that, you know, pulls from, from blocks, from various distances, uh, pulls from the floor, right? Um, jerks, you know, to and push presses, yeah. you know, yeah. and then, uh, you know, obviously, you know, snatch, hang snatch, snatch pulls from blocks of various heights, things like that. So, you know, the Olympic lifts and the, the, um, assistive lifts that would go with that yeah yeah well and then, you know we squat we pride ourselves you know the cornerstone of our program strength wise is, is is squat and we pride ourselves on that so that's a major part of our program talk about why you like power clean so much i think i know the answer but just uh why why is power clean such an important lift for y'all well i think one uh, if you could uh i guess say one word is uh you know, explosive movement. Yeah. Um, and and I know there's people out there that go, well, you can do explosive movements without power cleaning. And, and, and yes, I know that. But for us, we're going to power clean. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the the, the triple extension yep. of the, the ankle, the knee, and the hip. And, uh, you know, again, yeah, I know there's other ways you can train it. And I know, you know, people on Twitter want to argue all the time, and, and that's fine. But for us, uh, as far as developing explosive strength, I just feel power clean is one of the best ways to do it. Certainly not the only way, right? But I think it's one of the best ways. Well, and you've already you mentioned, know? yeah, you've already and you've already mentioned there's so many things within that that movement that you can break that right. break it down uh, and focus on different things, right? I mean, whether it's pulls or or jerks or whatever. Uh, you know, yeah, and kind of to say what maybe you're going with this. If you if you broke down, and I've not done this, but if you broke down rep by rep in a year of our programming, as far as pulls caught, you know, which obviously would be a clean, right, or something that is just pulled, we pull 
more than we clean. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And we power clean a lot. I mean, a lot, but we pull more. Right. Um, you know, especially in early phases and stuff where we're hitting techniques. I'll hit ranges of, on a block, you know. Um, I, I don't necessarily program six reps of power clean. Okay. I just don't. That's, a, in my opinion, the, the very high end. Okay. I don't yeah. do that. Yep. But I'll program six, uh, six pulls in a minute, especially from, uh, you know, high blocks, which would put you, you know, mid thigh or above the knee or slightly below the knee yeah. in a minute. So if you did rep by rep, we pull more than we, than we, right. you know, catch, I could say. Right. Right. But, but um, you know, not to get into it, but there's the argument of, well, why even catch it all? Well, we're always, we're always going to catch, you know, as far as part of, you know, being able to absorb that force and everything. I think yep. that's very important. Yeah. But as far as, you know, like with our, our player development program with, you know, the guys that just get there, it'll take them about, if our program, if you went, you know, the way, you know, it's written. And sometimes we do, sometimes we don't with guys. Some groups are a little better than others and we'll cut it early. But it's about six weeks before they do a, a power clean. Yeah. The rest of that time is three days a week of pulls. Yeah. From various heights. Yeah. So. And that's interesting uh, you say that because – you know, those are with guys who, you know, at least theoretically, you would think have lifted a lot. You know, coming into high school and out of the Division One program, and even for those guys, it's three weeks before they're actually power cleaning. And and I think that's six. good for. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. Six weeks, and and I think uh, that's good for us as high school coaches to remember. We get these kids in there who are freshmen or maybe even junior high kids, and we want to load of, load the bar up, you know, day one and have them start power cleaning. And, and we can really set those guys back. And, you know, if you're waiting six weeks with, with kids who've been lifting weights for a long time and, uh, you know, how that, that's a lesson for us who, who are uh, working kids out that are, that are much younger and much less experienced and much less developed, you know, if we're wanting to incorporate power cleans into our program. Sure. Um, you always have more time than you think you do, you know. Yeah. And, if you think about it, I guess this is one of the reasons I do what I do or I do the way I do it. If I rush a kid in anything, well, then I got to spend a whole lot of time fixing the problem that I just created. Yep. Whereas if I slow cook it, you know, crock pot style and take our time, fix all the little things that need fixing, that by the time we finally do get to it, it's it's very it's 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 correct yep correct enough to to now implement yeah exactly you know what i mean yep and so i just think it's uh it's time well spent and to think that you know a kid get a lot out of those pulls if you do them correctly you get a lot out of pulls in fact there's you know kind of alluded to a while ago there's people say well you know why even clean it all when you could just pull and I will say this, I had an athlete one time at Sam Houston. That's a long time ago. Pretty good power cleaner. And uh, he had an injured wrist. And so we basically spent the off season just pulling. And so we got around to test time and I didn't set him up for testing. And I uh, wasn't going to, and he knew it. I always kind of back, what I used to do is put out the week before because it was a deload week where I was going to set the guys up on their testing for the following week. So he comes up to me and goes, well, I'm not on the list. I said, well, Ed, I mean, you had an injured wrist. You hadn't done a clean, you know, and I think we're probably running eight week off seasons at the time. This was that long ago. And I said, uh, you know, why do it? He goes, coach, I can do it. So oh, Ed, I know you can. And I really wasn't. You know, and I always heard about that. You get these guys that can pull and that can, you know, still power clean really good. He goes, let me try. I said, tell you what, he, and there was more to it than that. I said, tell you what, we're in the deload week. Let me see you clean. Let me see you catch. And then we'll decide. And and he, he did great. And he was an older kid. He was a senior. Yeah. So he knew what he was doing. Honey, looked great doing it. And I said, you know what, Ed? What the heck? I said, but I'm not going to set you up 
we're just going to let you jump in, you know, and, and I, I just want you to warm up and feel it. Well, he ended up PR in the next week. Wow. So, yeah, you know, he proves the old point that a lot can be developed from just pulls. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, well, let's talk about your uh, now that you're with you're in season with your guys, with your football guys. How do you modify your program now to meet the needs of those guys uh, as they're in season? Well, so, you know, in season wise, you've got you really got several different types of players, you know, football specifically. You've got starters and you've got, uh, you know, rotators, guys that are they're twos, but they sure play a whole lot. And then you start getting into guys that are that are threes and they play sparingly. And then you've got your uh, you know your red shirts, which now we red shirt is completely different. You know the last two years and how it was with the four games, and that does play a factor in it. So we've probably actually got you know three or four different. You hate to say programs, but basically three or four different programs in yeah. the season. Yeah, of course. And they're all they're all. All but one. Now, the, the player development program, which is four guys that are redshirting, they're only really going to play those four games. You know, like yeah. we've got guys on our team right now that are freshmen, and we've played four games thus far this season. They've not played yet. Yeah. Now, at some point, they will get in some games, but for whatever reason, they've not played yet. Okay. But we have guys that have played, that are in player development, and they've played those four games. They may not play another game. But through an injury or something, they may be now they're they're running a, a solid two maybe in in a couple of cases. Yeah, and I hope that doesn't happen. But so we've quote unquote burnt their redshirt. Well, at that time they would move out of the player development program. But anyway, that player development program is completely different. It's a it's an off season within the end season. Yeah, I do not take into account practice or anything like that. I run it as if it's an off season. And I, I love it. That's probably my favorite thing. But anyway, so now you've got your, your starters, your rotators, you know, and your guys that still play. And it's all based off of a mainline program as far as, all right, here's what's going on today as far as the main thing. And then it's the assistive lifts and some of the intensities of the other lifts where it may change with some guys. And that's case by case, you know. Um, um for example, um, we've got some senior running backs. Uh, or eight, we've got two senior running backs and a senior receiver right now, and they are doing something totally different um, in regards to the way they're squatting right now than a lot of the other guys. And there's all kinds in between. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, and I would imagine that with those senior running backs, you know, of course you got, you're trying to keep their legs fresh and – um, and so they're probably going to be on a little bit different squat routine uh, than than other guys. Is that is that right? Yes, and the, and the receiver as well. Uh, yeah, receiver. So, I'm sorry, receiver as well. Yeah. You know, one of the ways I, this, what I believe in season wise, um, you can get heavy in season, and and I think we've known it forever, but it seems like it's starting to become around. You're starting to hear about it more, maybe in social media, because of social media. I don't know. I know some people are still, still scared to do it, but I've always done that. I don't mind getting heavy in season. You know, if you'll plan for it, plan your open week, you know, know when your open weeks are, your travel dates, things like that, and take into account everything that you have no control over and then write your program, I think you can write a much better program. And so we will get heavy, uh, not just in squats, but in everything throughout the course of the season. Um where where the change I make is I rip a lot of the volume out. Yeah. Yeah. So we keep that intensity up, but the volume is way down. Yeah. Cuz you know, volume's what makes you sore anyway. Right. It's not it's not it's not the weight, it's not the head, it's not the, you know the intensity. Right. It's the volume. How many reps did you do? Um, you know, things like that. Yeah. So Yeah. We got a lot of stuff going on all at once. Well, yeah, I think that's a really good thing to 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 keep in mind, and and so to, you know, maybe put it in a high school perspective, you're still going to have guys who, um, who are playing a whole lot, um, you know, and, and then guys who are not playing as much, or maybe younger guys, freshmen, sophomore type kids that that um, 
you know, that you can treat their in-season program more like a regular off-season program to get those kids, um, you know, acclimated and get them bigger and stronger. So that's good for for us high school guys to remember as well, and they hear that that also. You know, I kind of said a while ago, we got a lot of things going on, you know, with our yeah. program. And that's true. And so some people go, well, I can't do all that. Well, you can if you've got three coaches. Um, so there's there's four of us implementing that program. Um, and so, you know, one guy's got this group, one guy's got this group, another guy's got this group, and then I've got that group. And I kind of, with my group, I kind of man, I have my own group, and then I kind of manage everything. So, if you've got a coaching staff of four or more, you can certainly yeah do a lot of different stuff, and yeah. you can do it within the workout. I know, um, you know, a lot of high school programs, you may have seventy guys. Does that sound right? Seventy guys yeah. in the weight room at yep. once? Yeah. Well, yep. that's a lot, but how many coaches do you have in there running it? You know. Yeah. How many you got in there, Ty? Uh, well, you know, we could have anywhere from five, six, something like that. I mean. Well, I'm gonna tell you something. With five or six coaches, seventy guys, you can easily do five or six different things at the same time if you've got it set up correctly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm not. I don't know that you want to do that many. I'm just saying. A lot of times colleges the college strength coach will get the bad rap you know, well i could do that too if i had all this yeah I'm sure and it's nice but it doesn't take as much as you think maybe yeah yeah you know, yeah exactly you give me and you give me enough bars and uh i can train on train a ton of different ways with just bars right bars right. and weight and a rack and a bench you know but anyway um so, yeah, you can do that kind of stuff as far as injured guys goes. So one of the groups that I'm talking about when I say that's me and three guys running uh, four different things at once, uh, one of those is injury. So what we do, anybody that's on the injury report, and granted, not all our guys are necessarily on the injury report, but they are guys with limitations. Yeah. You know, maybe they're a way post-surgery guy who's not even getting treatment anymore and we're easing back. And so I've got a strength coach and that's what he does in season. He handles our injured guys. And so when we're in the weight room, say it's a, say it's a group of 30, 35 guys, whatever it is. However many of those guys that happen to be with him, that's what he's got. So for example, if the first thing we're doing, let's say we're, it's a squat day and we're squatting. We've got a couple guys that can't squat on that particular day for whatever particular reason. They go with him, and he starts what I call just working around it, whether that's a belt squat, you know, or some form of a dumbbell. It, it doesn't matter, and that's yeah. his baby. Yeah. The injured stuff. Yeah. So I've got a guy, and I've always thought that was important. I've never really been able to do it until really until I got here. I just didn't have the staff. With George Southern, it was me and two full-time guys. Yeah. So I didn't have the staff, but I always wanted a guy that in season wise, because it's never the problem in the off season, you know, but in season, I always wanted a guy that he's the injured guy. Yeah. Because a lot of times those guys will get left by the wayside. Right. A lot of times they'll try to hide on you, you know? Yep. And uh, you can't with that. Yeah. And so it just it does a real good job with it. Yeah. You know, those guys get to get what they need because, you know, you get a lot of guys in there. Well, you know, the trainer or somebody go, well, hey, you know, little Johnny can't do uh, lower body today. How come? Well, he rolled his ankle. Okay, well, he's got two legs, so we can use the other one. You know, things like that. Right. People, sometimes people don't think like that. Yeah. But well, hey, no upper body for him. Well, why? Well, he hurt his hand. Okay. Well, there's a whole lot of upper body we can do. You're right. And so exactly. I've got a coach dedicated to working around all that. Right. And it works real good. Yeah. For us right now. Yeah. Yeah, I like that term workaround because again, like like you said, that usually is what happens. Though I can't do lower body, you know, like the whole you know, my whole lower body is off limits, you know, and, and I think that that's yeah. the big mistake. And another thing and, and I think we've all been guilty of this, especially as high school coaches where we're sort of stretched thin maybe, is that those guys do kind of get thrown to the wayside a little bit and forgotten about until they're healthy again. And then it's like, man, how much have they lost and how much, we could have really maximized that time with those Absolutely. guys 
to help strengthen those supportive muscles and help them recover faster. The thing that makes that all possible is the relationship with the athletic trainers. Yep. You know, I remember uh, when I first got into strength conditioning, it seemed there was a almost a pride to have this I hate the trainer and the trainer hates me mentality strength conditioning wise you know what i mean yes and i had that too i mean i think a lot of people did and some of it's for good reason some of it's really stupid ego stuff but whatever and uh i got to georgia southern and i had a trainer who we just got along in far as talking training talking to injuries working around so we just we we just got along and you know from that day forward, I just always made it a point to uh, seek out the trainers and talk to them and, uh, and get their, uh, you know, sometimes you can get a lot out of it just by, by having that relationship with that trainer. So, you know, we've had four trainers here since I've been here at, at, at Tulane. And, uh, you know, the first one, not so much, but the, the second one we got, I was really close with. And, uh, that, that really helped me a lot too, to continue yeah. what I'd built on at George Southern about seeking out the trainer, talking to him, really getting down to what's hurt with that guy. There's plenty of times in the past training. Well, I can't, you know, those examples I was saying about the trainer, well, he can't, can't do lower body today cause he's got turf toe. You know, I mean, those, that that's really, that really happened. You know, that's really how it was, but that's not how it has to be. So now, uh, his name's Albie. Albie will come in there. His assistant Ryan will come in there. Um, you know, way before lift, and we'll just talk through stuff about the guys. Yeah. And and how are they? And I think we get so much more out of it. Yep. Uh, you know, which is really the whole point is to, to help the guy out anyway. Right. We get so much more out of it when you have a better relationship with your trainer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's a great so, point. I'm glad you. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's a, often overlooked. And you're right; it is some sort of weird, sometimes power struggle or. It is. It, it, we're territorial, you know, and so yeah. are they. And I understand. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you can have that, that to me. Um, a lot of time early in my career, because of the relate lack of relationship with trainer, I probably screwed up a bunch of stuff that I might not have screwed up. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So that's yeah. the way it goes. Well, Learn. Yeah, and I think that that's one of those things that if, we, if that relationship's not right, it's it's we, we got to make sure that it's right. Otherwise, we're going to always be fighting that battle. And are you really hurt? You know, and the trainer to to in their eyes, hey, that they if 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 that athlete gets hurt again or get re injures, they're they're the one that's going to have to to answer for it. So you know, it's it's a it's a basically it's it's a two way street. And there's got to be that communication there for sure uh, between between those. So, uh, so we talked about uh, how to handle injured players. What, what, what do y'all do in the way of injury prevention in the weight room? Well, as far as in the weight room goes, you know, we hammer on technique, you know, with our squats, uh, with our cleans, heck, with our bench press. We coach bench press hard, you know, and technique and things like that. I mean, we coach every, you know, try to coach every set and every rep and you know, full range of motion and, and, and get everything out of it. We can, um, to me being strong, being powerful, that's one of the best injury preventions you can have, because the truth is, especially in football, I don't know how you really prevent an injury. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. I mean, you got two people running at each other, every play that someone doesn't get hurt on that's preventing an injury. Yeah. I think that's why you have to be strong. Yeah. And uh, to me, that's the best injury prevention is yeah. to be strong and and to be well conditioned. And of course, I'm talking about and and running and running smart and uh, you know understanding the load load of running. And uh, you, you know you want to prevent a hamstring injury. Don't all of a sudden just start running a ton. You know at this certain intensity level. Right. Uh, you've got to ramp up to that. You've got to build up to it and condition uh, for that. And, you know, that likelihood of that hamstring injury certainly goes way down. And there is more to it than that. But to me, the best injury prevention is just being strong, being yeah. in shape. Yeah. 
Um, which is, you know, one thing I have kind of noticed, there's a trend here lately, it seems to me, I might be wrong, that um, strength is not important anymore. And I think that is one of the great, um, uh, I think that's a bad deal waiting to happen. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm starting to see it. Yeah. I'm starting to hear about it more. Yes. Um, strength is not as important. And I'd be honest with you, and I might be wrong, I think a lot of that philosophy comes from uh, laziness and unwilling to do the hard things. Yeah. Um, squatting's hard. Power cleans are hard. Lifting when you don't want to, that's hard. Running. Running's hard. You know. Yeah. Sprint workouts, linear speed days, those are hard. They better be hard if you're getting anything out of them. Right. Because to get anything out of them, you've got to run fast, you know? Yeah. You can't just get out there and and jog a lap and hope it works out right and i think i think you're seeing that shift um because it's it's a uh, it's hard to do that yeah you know? and yep and maybe people aren't willing to to do that like maybe they once were i'm not real sure and yep. i think you've got a lot of bad information out there too i i agree and, and there's a there's a lot of stuff I want to ask about that, but I can just foresee us going down the rabbit hole. And I kind of, I have a feeling I already know what you would say to all that. So I'm I'll just jump in a rabbit hole in a heartbeat. You know. I know, I know. And, uh, you know, cause you see a lot of guys who talk about maybe, you know, the doing away with one rep maxes and how that's not important anymore. And, and how strong do they actually need to be? And, and, and just, just my opinion, I'm not a certified strength coach. Okay. But I've also seen when kids get underneath that bar and they rep out that max and they, and they, 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 they blow up their old max, the confidence that that, that gives them, you know, that, and, and like the, the, just the, 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 the culmination of all the work of all the off season. So I think that, and just fighting through that adversity and, you know, if they're coming out of a squat and hitting through power through that sticking point and, and standing up and the whole weight room is cheering for them. So anyway, that's, that's, well, I'm going to jump in on what you said because it's important and you hit basically what I would have said. And I heard coach Joe Ken is the first person I heard say this, even though you've always probably thought it, but you never maybe put it to words, you know, but the number one thing that these guys get out of that weight room is confidence. Yeah. Yeah. It is to know that you're strong, to know that you're fast, to know that you're in shape, you can't buy that. You can't be told that. You either know that you are or you know that you're not. That's right. And kind of backtracking a little bit, you talked about we're getting away from one rep maxes and stuff like that. And, and people have been doing that for a while. But my argument is this. You know, people go, well, a three rep max is much safer. No, it's not. You know, so the one rep max, let's say it's, I don't know, and I'm making these numbers up. Let's say the kid, well, it's 500 pounds would be his one rep max. Yeah. Some people go, well, that's a lot of weight. Well, you know what? It's really not. In the grand scheme of things, that's not a lot of weight. Okay? But they don't hesitate to put 440 on a guy and say, well, we got to get that three times or maybe, you know, 450, 460. So which one causes a greater exposure to potential injury? Yeah. The yeah. one rep lift or the three rep lift? Yeah, the three. And I'll say this. If if the you know, if the kid is able to put weight on his back and is trained up for it, you know, and is spotted correctly and everything, it's safe. I mean it's safe as anything else you're gonna do. Right. You know, we, we'll work out for seven or eight weeks and we'll do all kinds of stuff and then we get around uh you know, going just really it's just a little bit heavier than maybe what they did a couple of weeks earlier, and all of a sudden it's just not as safe. I think that's bull. Yeah. And I've always thought that, and I'd argue with anybody about that. Yeah. Um, but we, again, we, we, you know, we try to make things easier, try to make things. Um, and I'm not saying everybody that does, you know, if you want to do a three rep max for your guys, that's fine. That's not for me to judge, you know, as far as that goes. But, the, you know, it's the people that say, well, you shouldn't one rep max, you should three rep max. I'd say a lot of those guys are probably doing that because, you know, they don't want to have to put that testing out there on that line for that football coach to see that, hey, that kid really didn't get strong. Yeah. So you can fool the numbers. I can make the numbers read however you want. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So, yep. 
I think it stems from that, some of that. I just, uh, but as far as getting away from testing, you know, one of the things I have done is we have gotten away from what I would call a, a dedicated testing week. Um, you know, used to off seasons, you know, when I was in college, it seemed like off seasons were around 11 to 12 weeks in length. And then now, you know, this past year we had a, a, a eight week off season, a seven week off season, excuse me. So to dedicate a whole week for that to testing, right, um, is probably not the best use of our time. Right. And so what I would, what I started doing a couple of years ago with the shortened weeks, the way you know it's NCAA, we all have the same amount of time. Um, I just dedicated basically a workout. So at the end, which would be a workout what we would have tested anyway, we're going to work up to a heavy single that they've trained for, and then we continue the workout. And if there's running that day, we go and run. And there usually is. Yeah. And I feel that um, it's just a better use of their time. Right. And and I, I got to be honest, so I, I miss and I love the testing. What I, you know, Max Week, I mean, it was a big deal. We used to get the kids up for it. And I think, you know, for the most part, the kids loved it too. Yeah. But it's uh, with, with the way it's structured now, it's hard for me to see going back yeah. to the old Max Week. Exactly. Yeah, it's really, you know, it's still the same, but it is different, you know. Right. Um, well, well, since we're talking about um, maybe things that have been out there on social media or whatever, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to skip around and ask you a question I'd say for later, but I'm going to ask it now. Uh, I read a, a blog post, and I don't remember the guy, so I can't uh, – I don't remember who wrote it. I think he was a strength coach. Um, but he talked about basically how – uh, it's okay to lift on game days. In fact, he kind of pl- makes a case for lifting on game days. And, and so I would ask you, how do you feel about that? Uh, is that, that, that to me is always, or, you know, in my uh, experience has always been, Oh no, you can't do that. You know, you can't lift on game days. Are you crazy? Um, what are your thoughts on lifting on, on the day of a competition? Well, I believe if you do it right, you can do anything, you know? Yeah. If you want to lift on game day, if you got the blessing of your head football coach, which by the way, you better have, and that's probably the hardest sell to get. And, uh, you get your kids to buy into it, then, then do it. Yeah. But it's gotta be done right. You say, well, yeah. you know, what is done right? Well, what are you trying to accomplish? You know, on a game day lift, someone say, well, obviously trying to work it, wake up, wake up the nervous system, get it firing a little bit, get them a little bit juiced up. Well, you can do that. And it's, I don't think it's hard to do. I think it's relatively easy to do. And, you know, we spend this pregame warm-up, you know, it's huge. They go out there, we do a, you know, you get to the stadium, and this is how most colleges do. They get to the stadium. The first thing they do is they want to walk on the field, which, by the way, why they walk on their own home field is beyond me. I don't understand. They were just there the day before. (laughs) They've got to walk out on the field and walk around. And now, because... Peyton Manning's another do the did the you know the the routes before the game and throw in routes and th- you know all that stuff. Now everybody's got to do that. Then they got to come in. We do a locker room stretch. Then we go outside at the forty minute clock and we're warming up. And then we go into you know pregame. Yeah. You know individual stuff like that. Yeah. So those guys are actually they're doing a lot. And I'm not saying it's not necessary. That's not what I'm saying because. I do believe that for the most part, it is. Right. But if you just added in a barbell lift of very lightweight or, you know, whatever it is you thought. Yeah. Would that really kill you? Yeah. My answer would be absolutely not. Yeah. Again, if you did it right and you understood why you were doing it. Right. Yeah. But I, I think getting the head football coach bought into that is probably the hardest sell. You're right. You're right. Um, I don't know. I... I had a kid a long time ago who uh, he came to me and said, Coach, I'd like to lift on Fridays before games. He said, and I'd just gotten there. He said, it's it's something I've kind of always done. So what do you mean? He goes, I just want to do uh, about 10 singles on snatch and take about 10 minutes to do it. And I said, absolutely. And he was going to be a senior. 
you know, and I just taken over. It was, you know, this was at Sam Houston. I didn't know he did it the year before, you know, because it was a secret. Yeah. He, he didn't talk about it. And he didn't. And Rusty didn't talk about it because it was one of those deals. And so he would come in on Fridays and uh, do his 10 singles in about 10 minutes. And we'd talk, and I thought it was great. And he thought it was important to him, and he thought it gave him the edge. And, in fact, at one point I looked to see if we could haul a bar on the bus, you know, in 60 kilos. Yeah, yeah. But we just didn't do it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if done correctly, absolutely. If yeah. done incorrectly, whoo, could be bad. Right, right. Or you could get blamed for something real Exactly, quick exactly. If it went south. Yeah, and I don't think anybody's in there talking about, you know, doing a full – just no, uh, murdering anybody, but but I think there's definitely some 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 value in and getting in there and um, like you said, getting your nervous system fired up and 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 just that you know getting those endorphins up if nothing else of just getting in the weight room and getting your blood pumping a little bit, uh, getting that juice going. Uh, so how are, how are you guys approaching your week, your game weeks, to, so your guys are peaking on game day? Well. Um... You know, we play on Saturdays most. I mean, yeah, we play some Thursday games. But when the game is over on Saturday, we turn the guys loose till Monday morning. We do everything in the morning at Tulane. Uh, all their classes, uh, nobody has a class that starts usually before 11. So we're early morning guys anyway. Yeah. And uh, so Monday morning we'll have a team meeting. And uh, it's usually between 15 and 20 minutes. And then at that time, We'll split the room. So, say the offense stays to watch the film, and they go, you know, with position groups. Well, the defense, what we would call the travel squad defense, would come down and lift. So, on Monday, we would do – we'd go outside first, and we'd do a little bit of running, not much. And, honestly, the running is just to get them hot, right. get them warmed up, get some of that movement going, and then we'll get a big, a good uh, stretch warm-up in, and then we'll go in and we'll lift. Um, typically Monday's our squat day, what I'd call the big squat day of the week. We're trying to do it as far away from competition, from right. the next competition as we can. And then we, you know, we'll do some pulls on that day and just other various exercises, you know, things like that. And then uh, that's all they'll do that day. And then, you know, they can come in and watch film on their own after that. And we'll switch, excuse me. And they'll go in and they can watch film on their own and stuff like that. So Monday, um, they do not have practice. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we get after it outside pretty good. Um, we will get a second lift with that travel squad in on Wednesday. But the practices Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday are, are, are pretty dang good practices. Yeah, yeah. Pretty intense. Right. We use catapults, so we measure all that stuff. And uh, that helps, you know, helps – you know, the one thing that's great about Catapult, and we just got into it this year, I think we'll get more out of it the second year. At least that's what everybody says. But the first year, we're already getting a lot of good feedback from it and things like that. And, um, you know, try to help the coaches um, see. You know, they know what they're doing. I mean, they're the expert in, in the game and the practice, but help them see what ne might necessarily might not necessarily be seen. Right. And put a number to it. Yep. And so I think it's only helped us. I think it's going to continue to help us in the future. But I can show you through Catapult that our Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays are, are pretty dang good days. Obviously, yeah. Thursday, not near what Tuesday and Wednesday is, but it is a pretty good day for us. And then yeah. Friday is a, uh, a walkthrough, what you would call a walkthrough. We call it, you know, script. We go through a script, um, and then uh, they'll do some unit. And then we may be traveling that day, or, or we may be going to a hotel that evening. That's pretty much it. Player development will go three days a week. And like I said earlier, we treat it like off-season. We yeah. hit it and get it. Yeah. Um, kickers, punters, they lift on completely different days. I actually do lift them on Sundays and Tuesdays, and that's because of their kicking schedule. Uh their big kick day is uh, Tuesday, uh -huh. so I get their lift on two days before. Yeah, we started doing that last year, and uh, we had a lot of success doing that. So yeah, 
that's kind of how we did that. Yeah. So, so and then, you know, travel and go. And, and we try to create every week to be, for the most part, exactly the same as far as the way we travel. Try to head to the airport at the same time as far as we want to get where we're going at the same time so we can eat dinner at the same time so everything can be the same. Right, right. Home and away. Yeah. You know. Yep. So, uh, so feel you- like that really helps us. Your your travel squad guys are, are are lifting twice a week, and your your player development guys are three days a week. Is that right? Yes. Okay. And and yeah, I think that's uh you, you mentioned it, and that's that's kind of an underrated thing. But just getting in that routine and uh, to where there is some uh, you know they 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 feel comfortable in that, and there's some normalcy there. That's obviously going to help help those guys perform better and, and make sure they're peaking at the right time. Uh, you know, at the ga- you know, at the time of the game and, and things like that. All right, well, well, so Kyle, as we get ready to wrap things up here, you know, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, I've known you for a while, and and as I mentioned in the intro uh, here for for this episode, um, you had a big impact on me as a uh, as a as a person and as a, as a coach, and and uh, I mentioned that and kind of told that story there at the beginning, but I remember. You know, as we got a chance to uh, to be around each other a lot while you're at Sam Houston, that that you always kind of got on me and my brothers about uh, you know your kind of your unwritten man laws that that you would you would throw out there, and and to this day, uh, neither me nor my two brothers, especially my younger brother, we don't we don't drink, we don't drink through a straw. Uh, unless it's a to-go cup, and, and we always like we always kind of will, will, will joke with each other about that, and that comes from you. So, um, you know, you're still uh, impacting us now today. But uh, kind of, I know, and these are meant to be to be funny. So we're you know, uh, but but give us your give us your Kyle Spear, your list of Kyle Spear man laws. What you got? Well, first off, I don't know if there's a list, and I think a lot of this started between. You know, like when you tell everybody, yeah, we've known each other a long time. I mean, what, almost 20 years probably? Yeah, yeah. Well, 2002. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that your parents and and, and, and me and my wife and were very close and with our kids and, then of course, your, uh, your, your, your two brothers and your sister. I mean, I went hunting with your dad and sister, you know, spent yeah. a lot of time at your house and or at other people's houses with your parents, you know? And so a lot of this became, I believe Garrett, you know? Yeah. And, you know, Garrett was probably, I don't know, however old he was. Yeah. Young high school. He was a little kid. Yeah. Yeah. Or middle school. And then I I was there all the way through, you know, even past after you got out of high school and into college, I was still at Sam. But I think a lot of that just, you guys trying to give me hard times about stuff jacking with me <laughs> and I would just kind of give it right back. Yeah. The whole straw deal. I just never drank out of a straw. Yeah. And not because of a man law. I just, I don't like straws. Yeah. And, but you know, a to go cup, obviously there's a straw. Yeah. And I think that came from Garrett and I was jacking with him about a straw. I said, well, a man doesn't drink out of a straw. Yeah. And that just kind of caught, wildfire there and so yeah it became this whole bigger deal and so yeah. there's just all kinds of them and most of it was whatever garrett or you happened to be doing at the time <laughs> and i thought i could jack with you at, yeah you know, jack with you about yeah you know yep. like man you know men don't wear pink <laughs> and uh that's because garrett was, or this one might have been your dad he may have had a pink tie on at one point or a pink yeah. shirt yeah, and you called well, him Gary out on did, it. And I called him out on it. I said, well, men don't wear pink. Now, the truth is, you know, I grew up in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And small country town, and men didn't wear pink. Yeah, they that's right. Didn't. And, you know, people <laughs> listening may disagree with that, and that's fine. I don't care. But you're not going to catch me wearing pink. I said, I just, that's just not me. And I realized times have changed, you know, but that was something I could give you guys a hard time about. Yeah. From yeah. pink, it turned into you know pastel colors. You know, basically anything worn at Easter, didn't wear. <laughs> you know, things like that. Yeah. Obviously, the straws is where it started. Yeah. Well, oh, what I about? I had one about men don't own umbrellas. There you, you go. Know? 
There you, you go. You can use one as long as it's not yours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it helps if there's a girl, you know, you're you're under there with maybe or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, I'm use a garbage sack or a poncho. There you go. Umbrella. Yeah. Yeah. But we had all kind, you know, and with Doug Page, you know, we'd go camping. We had all these rules about when we camped. We had to do things a certain way. You know, I guess like we were, you know, mountain men or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with our trucks. 10 yards away, you know, things like that. Yeah. One of them, I, my in-laws bought a real nice trailer. And uh, I refused to sleep in it when we went out to Federalist Falls for a week during spring break. They met me and my family out there, and I pitched a tent outside the trailer. <laughs> and I refused. In fact, I didn't even go in. I refused to go in. And I said, we're camping. I'm not going in a travel trailer. Yeah. It's yeah. just stupid stuff. Yeah. But yeah. I had a whole bunch of them, you know. Yep. Well, it was, uh, you know, as, as I was in, in, in high school and, and, my, uh, and Garrett was in middle school and, you know, we're trying. That's when you're at that age where you want to be, you don't want to be, uh, you know, associated with anything that's not manly, right? That's not tough. So right. uh, you'd give right. us a hard time about that. And we're like, all right, well, I'm laughing at it, but guess what? I'm not going to drink out of a straw and, and still don't. And I'm, you know, 33 years old now. Um, well, I think it's a good policy. Right? <laughs> well, I mean, hey, I still do it. So. you know what? And with all these environmental people, especially in California, they've, they've, they've uh, made straws illegal. So really you were ahead of your time on all that, you know? I mean, now, now there's, now people listen to this would say they may, they may get mad at you about not, the no pink thing, but they, they slap you on the back for, or pat you on the back for no straws. Cause they're, well, you know, killing my the straw had nothing to do with environmental <laughs> yeah. issues. It was just, I don't know. It was just a thing. One, I just never preferred a straw. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. No, I got you. Yeah. It was a, it was great to being able to 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 kind of to be around you through those years and sort of see it, um, you know, see your 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 rise from you know being at Sam Houston and then now uh, or then then to Georgia Southern and now at Tulane and and so I'm so glad we were able to do this and talk and and it was great to catch up and a lot of this stuff that you shared today. I didn't know, and it was, you know, I knew kind of some stops that you had made, but to hear the the details that went into that uh, was was really awesome to hear. And I know that the coaches listening to this are really going to benefit from it. So, thanks so much for uh, for taking some time out of your out of your week to to, to talk with us, and uh, want to wish you the best of luck this the rest of this season. I really appreciate you having me on, and uh, it was an honor to be here, and and. Uh, Really enjoyed it. And I think what you guys do, you know, the high school coach, in my opinion, is the most influential outside of a guy's parents. And you know what? Even in that case, it's not always the case. Yeah. You're the most influential um, person that guy probably had that there's a good chance that he has in his life. Yeah. And the impact that the high school coach makes is, uh, you know, awesome. And we see that here at Tulane. These guys will come in uh, for games and, you know, after games, they're not just at Tulane, but at George Southern, same Houston, you know, after games, everybody's family kind of meets up and half those people standing with those guys who are, you know, you come to find out and learn over time of their high school coaches still supporting them. So. Yep. Yep. Um, really appreciate what you guys do. And I can't think of a, a outside of being a college strength coach, I can't think of a better profession than being a, a high school football coach. Well, appreciate it, Kyle. Thanks so much, and uh, we'll be in touch. You bet. Thanks once again to Coach Spear for coming on and talking with us today. Okay, as promised, I got a few more man laws to add to his list, okay? And now these are coming from me. These are some things that I've observed you may or may not agree with, but I'm going to go ahead and roll them out there. I guess you could call these, you know, I, these aren't the only ones, but these are the three that, that, I, that I'm going to throw out there today. So first, first man law, okay? When you go into a bathroom, guys, okay, and there you have a choice of, let's say, three urinals. That's usually pretty standard, right? There's a choice of three urinals, and you walk into the bathroom, and the urinal on the left is occupied. The other two are open. You always take the urinal on the right. Never take the urinal in the middle. Why? If you have to ask why, then, bro, I'm going to have to take away your man card because you don't go hunker up next to some dude when there's an opportunity for you to move over to the right. you got to have that buffer zone there between you, okay? 
Now, of course, you're at a ball game, you're at a concert, a big event, and the only urinal open is the middle one. That's when you just got to suck it up and, you know, take the middle one. But other than that, man, you keep that middle one vacant, okay? That's man man law number one. Oh, and by the way, while we're on that, here's a little addendum to that one. Let, no conversation at the urinal, okay? Like, like you know, that's that's... Even more annoying than the person on the plane who wants to talk to you. Don't talk at the urinal, okay? Handle your business, eyes straight ahead, zip up, and then you can talk, okay? Wash your hands. Okay, next man law, all right? Uh, guys, I hate to break this to you, but but men, don't take baths, okay? Don't take baths, all right? That's weird. Uh, you're sitting there lying, to, to quote Kramer on Seinfeld, sitting there lying in a pool of your own filth. Uh, I mean, most of you guys probably can't fit in a bathtub anyway. It's not comfortable for you, so it's probably not an issue. But guys, don't take baths. Now, you're, now if you're sitting there going, well, hold on, coach. So every now and then, me and the missus like that. Oh, stop right there. That's acceptable. But other than that, guys, no baths. Okay, finally, speaking of water, let's talk about this. And now summertime's over, so we're, you know this is not necessarily going to be an issue for a while. But as we get into next summer... Guys, no t-shirts, women. Okay, hey, look, listen. I understand. You know, uh, maybe you had. It's it's been a long time since you you hit the weight room. You know, you put on a few pounds. Okay, you're a little self-conscious about your body. You know, you got some really uh, pasty white skin. Hey, man, you're overweight. We all know you're not hiding under that t-shirt. If you're fat, swimming in a shirt is not going to make it any better. Okay. Might as well shed that thing and just and just go enjoy the cool water. No t-shirt swimming, guys. Okay? All right? Now, if you're self-conscious about your body, you got about six months to get it right between uh, between now and next summer. But no t-shirt swimming. Okay? Okay, so those are my man laws that I thought I'd add on there. Uh, and, and, you know, if you hey, if you have your own man laws, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what you're thinking. Okay? Love to uh, to get your feedback. Okay, our quote of the day comes from, speaking of man laws, this dude has probably written his, some of his own man laws himself. Uh, it comes from David Goggins in his book, Can't Hurt Me, and it is, it's a lot more than mind over matter. It takes relentless self-discipline to schedule suffering into your day every day. Coaches, stay away from the middle urinal this week and hit the showers, not the tub, but most importantly, keep your pads down.